Okay, so Holy Spirit, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the sons of Issachar. The spirit of the sons of Issachar were able to recognise the seasons. I thank you, Lord, that when people recognise seasons, they're able to lead. We thank you, Lord, that uh, <laughs> in the church, you do not want the tail wagging the dog. You want us to be with eyes open and actually following your leading. I ask for grace on my communication this morning, your words and the, 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 the ears and the spirits of the recipients. I just thank you. I especially pray for those online. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> okay, this is gonna be a turbo word. You won't forget it that uh, easily. Uh, but the, the, the thing I got, um, uh, uh, f- something just jumped in my spirit this morning is that, that, that uh, people living in uncertain times and you've got floods and you've got wars and rumours of wars and you've got pandemics, pandemics, scandemics. You've got hundreds of thousands of truckers right now going into Washington DC, not that you'd know. You've got Pfizer releasing its statements of the adverse reaction, which reads like Webster's Dictionary. So many things happening. How, how, can, we, how can people live joyfully in uncertain times? And I'll tell you what, the Lord said to me, wrong. He said, and I wasn't thinking it, it was like it was just sort of came up in front of me. And he says, he said, my people live in certain times depending on who they look to and where they build. We are not living in uncertain times, we're living in certain times. And let me explain, if we can put up the book of Daniel, please. You cannot read the book of Daniel enough because it just jumps out at you, it is so layered. So Nebuchadnezzar had a dream that Daniel interpreted and Daniel actually, the Lord revealed the dream to Daniel and the interpretation. And it's a meta-narrative of a historical chronology. This image or the image's head was of fine gold, its chest and arms of silver. It represented all the, all the empires in that meta-narrative, obviously Babylon, Greece, Medo-Persia, Rome, etc. So the image was one of fine gold, its chest and arms, uh, 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 its head was of fine gold, sorry. Its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron and clay, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them into pieces. This is the certainty. How can we live in joy in uncertain times? Wrong. If we're in uncertain times, we're looking at the wrong thing and building in the wrong way. We live in certain times. Can someone say amen? It is impossible for God to lie. Easier for heaven and earth to pass away than one part of God's word to become to, to, to be unfulfilled. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze and the silver and the gold were crushed together and became like chaff from the summer threshing floors. The wind carried them away so that no trace of them was found. And the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is certain. Can someone say amen? Okay, continue on please. And it gets interesting, it goes into different detail of the same image. And as the toes and the feet were partly of iron and partly of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly fragile. As you saw iron mixed with ceramic clay, they will mingle with the seed of men, but they would not adhere to one another just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of these kings, 
The God of heaven will set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. This is the certainty. And the kingdom shall not be left to other people. It shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms and it shall stand forever. And so we have this incredible certainty because there's a lot of detail going along. For me, I'm not a details person. You just have to ask my wife and my team, right? Is that I'll go out and I'll change things and I'll make things happen that can't happen. But you, you, too much detail. The, the only detail I really, really are into is when I interpret dreams and visions and map. Other than that, sort of like, it's, can someone else listen to this? Can someone? Because it just, and what we have is there's so much detail coming at us but I just think that the Lord wants us to know that there is joy living in certain times. And this morning, who, 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 when they were waking up this morning, who was singing, did you feel the mountains tremble? Who was singing out when they woke up? Who felt that this morning? Okay, a number of you. So we didn't feel it. Uh, my son was upstairs, he felt it. And it's like, why didn't Rachel and I feel it? I said, because at that time I was showing her a meme and we were laughing. So pretty much the same, you know, uh, 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 you know, a family that memes together stays together. So basically um, uh, the memeing of life. And so basically um, it, it is that, you know, a 3.8 or whatever. And I just feel that, that, that there is a tiny bit, there's a little bit of an awakening going on. Unfortunately, too many people are trying to hit the snooze button because God's trying to shake us a little bit in so many different ways. What I wanna do is I wanna give, I, I don't like opportunism and, 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 and things that are cliche, but I feel, uh, I feel there's some, some elephants in the room that are unavoidable that the Lord wants to, to address. Now, <clears throat> I, um, I'm 53, so I was born in 1969. Technically, I was sat in front of a television, I watched the, the men landing on the moon, whether your persuasion is I watched the men land on the moon or some sort of simulation done in a studio with Stanley Kubrick. <laughs> so I was, I was there. And then what happened is that some of my earliest memories is that I, I, uh, my father was very good at sports. He was in the Navy and he was in charge of all the sport in the uh, Northern Territory, I think. Very, very good hand-eye coordination, all that sort of stuff. And so I inherited that, and so I had an interest in sport from a very young age. Now, what was interesting is my first memory of watching sport was I went over to, we went over, and now, again, I've, I've stained things that people of similar vintage and over, you'd understand. I remember when colour television was a big deal. Who in colour TV? And who remembers that, that most TVs were the size of washing machines? <laughs> You said, can you come around and help me move the TV? You knew it was like, you know, you had to get the sack truck out and now it's just sort of like a, a thin, you know, <clears throat> rectangle. And I remember watching the cricket and I remember watching World Series cricket and it had just started. And you got Australia's wearing yellow, canary yellow. It wasn't very flattering. And who remembers those days? <clears throat> and you got the West Indies wearing coral pink. <clears throat> And I remember, but the, the, the thing of the time, which was the revolution of, of World Series cricket, is that the two people that stood out in that era, there was more than two, but the two that wore, uh, it were actually was in fashion. Now you look at it now and you think, choppery, drug dealer, rogue. But back then it was the handlebar moustache. Remember the handlebar moustache? 
And now it's sort of like, okay, take me to your dealer. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, and the two people that wore it with a plum was Dennis Lilly and Rod Marsh. You remember those days? And I tell you what, I tell you what, like for, for me, I played Aussie rules. I was, I was graced to play it well, played at a high level. Tennis, the same. But there was something about cricket in that era that caught your imagination is that summer was dominated by cricket, not the Australian Open, which was on grass back then, as in the surface they played on, uh, no drug scandals. And basically, and then, and then uh, the Aussie rules, obviously you, you had ABC, I think it was called The Winners or something like that. And it was all this, you know, uh, interstate rivalry. It was exhausting and boring at the same time. But basically cricket really, would, every summer would uh, grab the attention of the nation. But I remember especially it was Marsh and Lily, both from Western Australia, you got this keeper. His nickname was Iron Gloves because he used to drop everything when he first started. And then you had Dennis Lilly. And I would say that uh, at one stage, he was the world record, the greatest bowler in Australia's history, that handlebar moustache. Now, he literally, literally come in, he's got this, this mop of hair, handlebar moustache, and he'd have a shirt unbuttoned to about here. And, and, and it's like, it's like he had so many, so much gold and that dangling around him. It was like he'd come from the island of Mykonos, you know? It's like, seriously, and it was like this. And, and you know, if you, if you put an ant on his hairy chest, it'd get lost in there for weeks, you know? It'd be like one of those uh, hedge mazes. And so he's, he's running, oh, a praying mantis, okay. So, he's, <laughs> so he'd run in and the whole crowd go, Lily, Lily, Lily. Who remembers all of that stuff? And it's like, and this is, this is how, and next thing you know, on, on top of that, they add a soundtrack. Who remembers the soundtrack? Come on, Aussie, come on. Okay, and you're watching and all this. And it's so charismatic. And what happens is that uh, our, uh, Dennis Lilly, I remember uh, one of my earliest memories, I went round to, now again, we're talking, this is my vintage. I remember when air conditioning wasn't all that common. When I lived in double brick house and if it got to 42, 43 degrees or whatever, at night time, guess where you'd sleep? Down at the beach. Who remembers sleeping in the beach in heat waves? Oh yeah. And so I remember going down to, to my godparents of all places and Lily's my hero. And, and this is my, and then all of a sudden, here's this Caribbean cricketer hitting them all over the place called Viv Richards. And I'm just sort of like, oh, this is unbelievable. I remember just like, but then there was one day at the MCG on a dodgy pitch. Remember when the MCG had rubbish pitches all the time? And what happens is that Dennis Lee came in and he was, he was making them jump all around the place. But Viv Richards, the greatest batsman, named one of the greatest batsmen in the 20th century, officially by wisdom, okay? Uh, 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 with all you get and get understanding, wisdom is the principal thing. And so, um, if you're into cricket. And so what would happen is that, is that like he's coming in and last, and it was, he was just missing the outside edge. And it was, whoa, the whole crowd, the MCG, Bay 13, the famous Bay 13, all getting up and up. And then on the last, and these are really, and you're, you're on the TV, you're on tender hooks and you've got Marsh behind chewing gum and they're all ready. And then the last ball of the day, he bowls Viv Richards, the crowd goes bananas. These are my childhood memories. Is it, it was a, it was a, it was a bygone era of uh, machismo, machismo, whatever you want to call it. Depends what sort of like branded clothes you like. Uh, and, and so, incredible era, 
But then after that, there was this guy called Shane Warne. You had that charismatic era. And then who remembers when Shane Warne first started playing? Now my summers, my summers were, I would say, by choice and design were definitely lazy summers. They weren't just like uh, uh, school holidays on weekends. And I remember Warney came out and uh, he, you, this kid can move the ball around a bit, but you're thinking, oh gosh, I don't know. You know, his first game, he got one for 150. That's really gonna get you repeat business. And then the next year, he actually bowled, re bowled really well against the West Indies. And then he's going to England. And then um, I don't know, did anyone see that, that, that delivery to Gatting live? Did anyone see that live? He does what they call the bowl of the century. I know that most of you are relatively sporting illiterate and I'm actually educating you today. Those people tuning in from Melbourne will have a deeper appreciation because that was part of their religious. Uh, I mean, in Melbourne, they, they, they think the, the 12 apostles are a bunch of rocks in the ocean. So basically, <laughs> God's bringing them along. They're on a journey. And so, <clears throat> and so uh, basically is that he does this delivery, it somehow curves in the air, hits the pitch, and then catches the off stump of, my, and they're just like, and they call it the ball of the century. And, and Warney was instrumental in Australia winning the one day World Cup. Two world, rec, world records, uh, winning world records in test cricket, brought tons, tons of young people to join the game, trying to imitate his leg spin, but they couldn't. And so you have this guy who's a borderline genius sportsman. However, he wasn't just that. It was his larger than life personality. It was the scandals. Oh, Warner, you would have made such a great captain if it wasn't for the scandals. Seriously, from the diuretic to the bookies to all that sort of stuff. And it's like, what you had is he embodied Australian larrikinism, sporting genius, larger than life personality with a generous spirit and rock and roll connections. This guy was famous. And so what you have is you guys know, oh yeah, one of the, I mean, some of his stories, I mean like he travelled to India and he was such a hectic bogan, he didn't like the Indian food. So he, bought, he imported with him crate after crate of baked beans. Did anyone heard that story before? It baked beans. It's sort of like, get some culture in you. And it's sort of like, you know, but it's a lot like, yeah, but, but Indian curry gives me a bit of, you know, what do you think baked beans are gonna do? <clears throat> and so, so what happens is this, is that this is actually, this is actually more significant. It's not like, we, as you guys would be aware, is Shane Warm suddenly and unexpectedly passed away a couple of days ago. And it's sort of like, and it's not like someone who just holds records, someone who's a great sports person, or someone who's just a character. Shane Warne actually was probably one of the most famous sporting uh, personalities in the history of Australia. And not just that, but Shane Warne embodied so much about an era in Australia. So much. And so at the moment, you know that, 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 in, that, that the second the news breaks, they're going to name the great Southern Stand, the SK Warren Stand. It's having a state funeral. Also, too, you have the passing away within 24 hours of Rod Marsh. Within, I mean, that, that is unusual. That is unusual. One had a heart attack, coma, passed away. One was suddenly in Thailand. And this is like when things like this happen, it is so, so unusual. And I feel. 
I feel that, again, I'm not reading into some sort of sovereign theological sort of deal, but in this season, these last two years, Australia has gone through a crucible. Its identity is being tested. Its metal is being tested. Is that we've been, uh, uh, churches have been tested. Individuals have been tested. Our national identity has been tested. And so I believe, I, I, I believe what has just happened actually shows that an era has changed. We're in a different era. I'm a massive fan of Warney. I, I feel for his children. I really do. Uh, he, like uh, even, uh, I mean, best friends with Chris Martin from Coldplay, Ed Sheeran, people, Mick Jagger, uh, 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 um, engaged to Elizabeth Hurley. Uh, we're talking like famous people everywhere. This is not just a sports person passing away. It's something about the heart of Australia. And so this is something that's, that, that's really, the Lord's this, uh, 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 grabbed my attention. And basically, remember, we're talking about carrying a spirit of joy in certain times. Because we have to trade on the certainties like we were reading before. I thought that was important that we, that we actually did that. But I'll tell you why I feel that it feels like a closing of an era in so many levels because that era has been slowly closing since the beginning of 2020. It's not all of a sudden, it's like everything's tickety-boo and oh, what a shock. No, 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 no. It's actually, there's a closing of an era because this has been a slow train coming. <clears throat> and I believe it's because Australia is in a season that it's never recognised and that is a season of war. It's a season of war. And as I said before, you know, like for my upbringing, I could, what, what is it about cricket? Is that you can sit there, you can sit in front of a game, right? For five whole days and it still ends up being a draw. What the heck? It's something about it captured the imagination of Australia. They say the second hardest job behind being Prime Minister is being the captain of the cricket team. That's the second hardest thing. But it's got a romanticism that, that, that actually, who's heard of W.G. Grace? He's a fam- one of the first, uh, late 1800s, a cricketer. And in cricket's full of, full of characters. But basically, like, he was, he was batting up and he bat- he. he Battered well into his 40s, had a giant big beard, wore the little cricket, and a very, very, very funny, very sharp guy. And he's playing, and the Australians, I think I could have been against Australia, they're bowling, and they just, and then this ball just comes through, just gets through his, past his bat, and just catches the stump so finely that the, the bale just knocks, falls off just gently like this. And then he goes, oh, and he grabs, bends over and picks it up with his glove and puts it back on the stumps, goes to the umpire. Boy, it's windy out here, isn't it? And the umpire, who was a step ahead, says, yeah, make sure you don't, your hat doesn't blow off on the way back to the pavilion. <laughs> and so this is, what we, we've got is, is that we've been fortunate to be in an era where it's leisure, 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 the lucky country, she'll be right, mate, magical thinking, but the world has changed massively. And the point of this morning is the ability to have joy in certain times. Too much encouragement is false courage. Whoa, what do you mean? Is it too much is, don't worry, just maintain the status quo where we should be encouraged to be in Christ, in Him. If you obey Him, He'll get you, let you eat the good of the land. See, the encouragement is the courage to go into Him rather than keep calm and carry on. 
because that's what it's all about, is it being in Him. That's the certainty. And so we're seeing, like I said, the, the, the times changed at the beginning of 2020. Um, at the moment, you've got wars and rumours of wars. Beginning of 2020, I'll never forget this. You're seeing, I mean, I did watch Event 201, I think, which is, a, you know, John Hopkins Medical Centre simulated coronavirus. And then at the beginning of 2020, who remembers seeing footage of people in China having convulsions and collapsing in the street? Obviously propaganda. And then, but that's, that's over there. That's, you know, but then we started to see it's not over there because the world has shrunk. It started getting right up in our face. And then decisions were made by people who would not be affected to shut down the society. So the people who made the decisions never lost a paycheck. Who finds that interesting? No paycheck. And then you've got generational wealth, legacy, all these different things completely flushed away. And we know that uh, things are changing very quickly. A nation go into a debt spiral like never before. Because before we just think like this, oh, you know, well, I can't see planes over there. We're not in a war. No, we're in a war. War has changed. War has changed. But we, we can stay in joy if we build on the certainty. And so, you know, piecemeal little sayings like, uh, if it only saves one life, we're all in this together and do the right thing. And we're talking, we're talking a psychological operation on a corporate consciousness. If we haven't worked out that we're in war, we need more shaking. Because I tell you what right now, the certainty in Christ is, is magnificent. But this is where, like we were talking about the Charles Dickens story, a, a tale of two cities. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. God wants us to build into Him so we see the best of times. <clears throat> um, wow, I was, I was meeting with someone uh, uh, just this week who was talking about mental health in Victoria and Australia-wide, youth suicide, everything, it's out of control. It's out of control and the statistics are not being accurately represented. We haven't even seen the fallout of the PTSD of, of, of generations, it is crazy. We're seeing crazy things. It's quite well known in psychological operations, if you wanna take over a nation or a culture of people, cultural Marxism, you first frighten them and demoralise them. And guess what's been taking place again and again and again? It's trying to break down the psyche and the identity of the people. So <clears throat> I had an interesting phone call a couple of nights ago. I spoke to someone in Europe, because that's what I always do. <clears throat> we had a phone call. I said, okay, can you do me a favour? What is your take on what's happening in the Ukraine? And pretty much I'm just gonna be a parrot because I don't know enough to have an opinion. I really, really don't. I have a strong opinion about what's happening in Australia with COVID and all the, all the different things, but I don't have an opinion of the Ukraine, I'm not there. It's all hearsay. What's true and what's a lie? And they basically said, what you have is that number one, I am not painting Putin as a good guy. I never will. But when the Berlin Wall came down and the NATO, North Atlantic Peace Treaty, all that uh, treaty organisation, all of those things, there are agreements made and those agreements have been broken. And this is someone who lives there and has military connections and said there are infrastructures and facilities on the border with Russia where almost their hand is forced. Yes, there are things that are taking place. Yes, there's bloodshed. He said, but whatever you read in the media, whatever you read in the media, it's 180 degrees the opposite. We're in a war. And you go, it's way over there. Oh, well, what could possibly? And so what we've learnt is this. 
We have to learn to build on the rock. We have to learn to dwell in Christ, who's the rock of our salvation. We have to learn what it is to regularly occupy Zion. But you wouldn't know, you wouldn't know that uh, there are hundreds of thousands of truckers going to Washington DC right now. You wouldn't know the adverse reports of, of, of the different vaccinations. You wouldn't know because it's a global war and it doesn't look like anything before. And that old she'll be right, mate, doesn't cut the ice when it comes to the glory of the Lord because God is looking for heroes. He's looking for people to say, Lord, I give my life completely to you so He can manifest through His people. Can someone say amen? But it's certain times, it's certain times. Um, my wife was reading this morning where someone, and I think it was GoFundMe, they contributed $5 to the truckers in Canada in regards to doing that uh, thing in Ottawa. And then the government froze all of her accounts, even to this day where she can't feed her children, po- uh, uh, retrospectively. So you go, okay, well, we're seeing right now, Boris Johnson with uh, Partygate has had to lift all restrictions. We know that, that at the moment, right now, state and federal governments are going, We're just gonna roll it back. But you took it. <laughs> Can you imagine if she gets snotting someone in the face and then giving a Band-Aid? You should thank me. We're seeing so many things take place, but in France, the, uh, Emmanuel Macron basically said, we're gonna treat people who, who will resist the jab as subhuman. And now they're, opening, they're, they're dropping the mandates from the 14th of March. Something's taking place. And it's called a social credit system. Our government is actually working on, it's called a digital identity bill. How much money have they spent preparing to present this bill? One billion dollars. We're talking, we're talking this stuff is happening. And when they say no one can buy or sell except with this, you've got the ability, I mean, allegedly bank cards and all that, that, that I, I was reading uh, Russia Today which is very, very big uh, news organisation in America, all their staff are being laid off. It's probably gonna be a long-term thing. But now we have absolute control of the media and the messaging. We have to build in certain times, in the glory, on the rock. The larrikin, she'll be right, is gone. It's gone. But we can find joy and victory in Him. It doesn't say we are conquerors. It says we are more than conquerors but we are being forced into a corner. Some of us are already ascending, but this is actually taking place. Is that, is that with the social credit system, is that it'll be linked to everything you do. And if you have an ideological objection to government or anything, anything could be frozen, taken out. We know, what's the most famous line of the World Economic Forum? You'll own nothing and what? <clears throat> exactly. Be happy, but someone else will own it. And, 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 and I'm not saying necessarily, you know, like with the, the, the tremor this morning, which, I mean, it's 3.8, right? Enough to sort of like go, hey, we've got, why don't I sleep in, okay? Knock over a few lawn chairs, you know? Um, I remember when I went to Chile and I met this guy, who was a TV producer, and he was telling me he's in a high rise and they build them a certain way and he was probably like the 15th, 20th floor, like this. And his, his building, it was, it, was, it was nine on the Richter scale, <laughs> 
That's an earthquake. And it swung so violently that his refrigerator left its nook and actually went down the hallway to the other side of the house. That's an earthquake. But God's trying to get, trying to get our attention because spiritual things impact the natural world. Let's not hit the snooze button. Let's not hit the snooze button. Can someone say amen? Because we're, we're just Australians at this stage. You've got the light horseman, yay! You've got Gallipoli, yay! All these different things, but we're in a whole nother era. And God wants us to recognise. And there's a part of me, I like, I like leisure. There's, there's a part of me, hopefully not that big a part, but there's a part of me. And the Scriptures that I find confronting, I've got to choose if I say yes or be a deserter. Can we put up first Timothy? Oh, we can put Timothy, please. You can't get out of it. It's got no wiggle room. Therefore, uh, fight the good fight of faith. I'll put the second one first. Can you put second Timothy up if you can? Thank you. You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Why? Because you're in war. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. Fact of life. That's not very Australian, Lord. It's not very Australian. Because do you know the movies they're showing on Netflix this week, Lord? Because it's very confronting. Because we are literally in a war. And we have to see, rather than going like this, we have to build on certainty and the joy of the Lord is our strength. What's the next one? That's the first, that's the first Timothy one. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession before the in the presence of many witnesses. Keep that there. This is really important. Fight the good fight of faith. Why? Jesus has already won. Jesus has already won. You can't fight it in your own strength. All through the New Testament, in Christ, with Christ, through Christ, for Christ, outside of Christ, we're nothing. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth and the life. And so what we have is we have this overwhelming victory, but as a nation are being tested. Who wants to pass the test? Seriously, who wants to pass it? Because he's shaking all things. No pun intended. Now, this is where I want to bring in the to-do. Because as what we tend to do is, I'm fascinated with, I can't get out of the book of Revelation. Some of the things I ponder, I go like this, I go, wow. You've got the, uh, uh, Revelation chapter six, verses two. And you've got, you've got oh, there's a man, don't put it up. It's just, I'm just externally, extemporaneously processing. Is this, is that, is that Revelation 6, you've got the, 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 the horseman holding, the pale horse, the red horse, the black horse. Play, but the first horse is white. It's on a white horse. And it was given to him a crown to, to go out and conquer and to conquer, right? And he had a, a bow and arrow. What, what does that mean? Is that you? Because all through the whole New Testament, especially in the book of Revelation, white represents godliness and righteousness. The great white throne, I'll give you a white stone. He'll be clothed in white garments. But here, instead... Instead of, of having a two-edged sword, he's got a bow, and a bow usually talks about the enemy. He can talk about the Lord's battle bow, but it's, it's okay, look, what do you mean by that? I like to look into these things. I have, a, I have a need to know, a need to understand. I said, Lord, I want wisdom. With all my getting, I wanna get understanding. And so I need to be able to engage. But there's a, a tendency for us to look at all external signs, to look externally, what's happening here, what's happening there. And Jesus said, 
The kingdom of heaven does not come with external observation. For behold, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Now, what we're about to read out of Second Peter is literally the revelation, we talked about this last week or the week before, the revelation that was revealed on the Mount of Transfiguration. Okay, if we can put this up. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with Him on the holy mountain. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed, which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. And the Lord is trying to teach us out of eternity through a Hebraic lens is it's the inside, outside world. It is the most foreign thing to people who are raised in the West. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. I find it interesting, there's so many references about the, the morning star. Uh, I'm not gonna exhaust them, but Jesus says, I am the bright and morning star. Then He says to him, whoever comes, I'll give him the morning star. And here it talks about the morning star rising in our hearts. The morning star is that star you see just before there's dawn. When it's dark, you still see that bright star until the dawn. And this is what God's saying. He wants to visit the earth in power and glory and government, but He cannot until the morning star is shining in His corporate church. It is a down payment, a down deposit for Him ruling and reigning with the keys of David and the government being on his shoulders. And so when we go, oh, we're gonna, we're gonna be, we're sowing money into the floods. We're praying for the election all the time. We're doing everything. But I'll tell you what, this is the amazing thing. Let's not get hooked on all the external stuff. God wants to rise up in your heart. He wants the morning star to rise up in your heart, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And this is, see, see this is the simplicity of it. I won't even get you to put it up. But when we understand that the battle is in the mind and the, and the battle is for hearts, the Lord says, when you believe in your heart, you get what you say. Elijah understood this when he prayed for rain. Daniel understood this when he prayed for Israel to be released from captivity. Reese Howes understood this when he prayed World War II to be finished. And again and again and again, it is that complete absorption into Jesus, into Christ, into the Holy Ghost, because Jesus said, truly I say to you, if you command the mountain to be uprooted and cast into the sea, and if you do not doubt in your heart, you will have what you say. That is the battle. When God, when God moves, He speaks. And He's just generous enough to include us and His angelic family in the process of judgment and justice. But the war actually is the morning star in our heart shining because it's a certainty. Because you go, what about this? What about that? This is a, you know, oh, oh, like this. And then you, and, and next thing you know, all of your distractions out there and the Lord goes, hang out with me. Worship me, fellowship with me. Take regular communion with me. Meditate in my Word. I'm gonna finish with just a couple of examples from the aforementioned people. We're not great at baptismo. Baptismo is full immersion. We know that you go in a cucumber and come out of dill. We won't stretch that analogy too far, but it's full immersion. We're very good at getting our big toe wet. 
beforehand, a few weeks ago, and again, I'm not citing this as moral examples, but sport is simulated war. Sport is simulated war. I'm a, I've got a sporting background and you're at war. It's about winning. There are casualties. People get injuries. People win, people lose. I have won grand finals and I've lost grand finals. Winning grand finals, that sense of jubilation and victory, amazing. We lost a grand final once by one point. Bitter. It's a, it's a fine. Why did you find that funny? Gosh. Bitter. <laughs> it's simulated war. And now because what happens with the war, because the world is it's all about entertainment. So one of the greatest golfers ever, Tiger Woods. And again, I'm not condoning lifestyle, all that sort of stuff, but I'll tell you what, something would be wrong. I was watching this the other day. Something would be wrong with one of his shots. He would go out, he would go out with a caddy Three days, he would just do the same shot. He would get in the shot. He would practice his footwork, his mental approach, his visualisation, everything, until he got completely absorbed into that shot. It became part of him. And when he was under pressure, he could perform because it was part of him. Like the Bible says, eat the scroll. We can all read the Bible and we can go, I've got a prophetic word or a vision. Have we eaten it? Has it become part of us? I was uh, watching an interview with Warner yesterday. <clears throat> I said, what was your dream? He said, my dream was always to be a football player for St Kilda. So he went out and he tried to play for their team. And after a few years, I think when he's age 19, he gets a letter and saying, thanks, but no thanks, your, your services will no longer be required. He goes, my dream was over, I'm shattered. And he goes, you know what? I did, a, I did, I, I did a studied accounting at TAFE, Moorabbin TAFE. Wasn't my thing, you think? <laughs> Warney the accountant. <laughs> Can you imagine like sitting there crunching the numbers, he's got zinc on his bottom lip. Anyway, so, <laughs> future's so bright, hey? So, then he actually started delivering beds for 40 winks. He goes, this is not for me. And he started to lean into cricket and he had a cricketing background. He said, I could have, he said, I could have sulked or sulked and fallen by the wayside. And I said, no, I'm going to make this work. And what he did, he was saying that, that uh, you obviously you, you, you play your matches, you, you, you play in the nets, but he would take home a cricket ball and constantly he'd have it in his hand all day. He'd watch TV. He'd be like, sort of like, you know, can you imagine, can you imagine sort of like at the tea table? I told you I'm going to bring that tea table. So, so it's just breaking all the crockery. But he would, he'd just, he'd have it, he'd have it in his hands and he would just get the feel of the ball in his hand coming out of his hand. He went into full absorption where he'd get out. No longer is he worried about anything technically or any breaches per se. He's totally absorbed. He's eaten the scroll and he becomes one of the most feared and respected Bowlers in the history of the cricket, where he was named as one of Wisden's five cricketers of the century. And so, if that can happen like that, what about God's people? Are we eating the scroll or are we just looking at the signs and going, Oh, I wonder what's going to happen? The Lord said, If you build with me, if you build in me and with me, you can have joy in certain times. At the end of the day, 
Have we not seen the dead raised in this church? Yes, we have. Have we not seen supernatural debt cancellation? Yes, we have. Have we had an unusual influence in unusual fields? Yes, we have. But nothing happens unless it's birthed in the heart and spoken out the mouth. It's so much more simpler, but it's so foreign to so many in the West. We'd rather read books about end times, store up goods, get afraid, then happy, then afraid. The Lord says, no, 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 no. In me, you are more than a conqueror. You have complete joy in times of certainty. As things get crazy darker, it just means it says, arise, shine, for your light has come. It talks to, to us to arise, but we have to eat the scroll. We have to get fully, fully, fully absorbed. This is an exciting season. I'm just telling you right now, uh, I'll have a couple of ordinary days where I'm exhausted and just like, like this, and it will be reflected in my dreams at night. Like I've, I've been dreaming like I've never dreamed before. And that's like, well, warning, you know? And then that day I'll spend hours in prayer and worship and then it's reflected in my dreams. The lag time in the cause and effect spirit world is shortening. We're in war but we can be joyful about it because we know we're about to see things that have never happened in history. Either we sit back like a, like a frightened spectator or we learn to eat the scroll and get totally absorbed in the kingdom and the King and His cause. In the name of Jesus. Can someone say Amen? Australia's been tested. Never seen it before. We're gonna have communion. We're gonna finish. But I'll tell you what right now, is that we're in historic times and the season has changed. When we saw Winston Churchill and all that stuff at the beginning of last year, we were going, nah, nah, you know, that's not encouraging. Doesn't matter. It happened. We can choose to live in joy. Holy Ghost. Come on, Aussie, come on. <laughs> I was seeking, seeking God the other day. I was in the sanctuary and then I was on the phone to Daryl and I had my ear pods in. I was in the vestibule because it was like, you know, conversation, secret squirrel type thing. And then I started hearing stuff like this. I'm like going, and he's, he's talking. I'm going, hang on, hang on, like this. I can hear, I'm like, I can hear choirs. And, and, and sort of like, I pull it out and go, wow, that's right. I I so I burst through the door here and here's my wife and my two kids acting like gooses. They're going, oh. That really could have caused me to stumble, but you know, yeah, here we are. Oh. I'm going, hang on, hang on, I can, hang on. Just like this. It's a sign and a what? God sent you here for a season way bigger than us. And He wants us to build in certainty. He wants us to build in certainty and do it in joy. If we go, oh, I don't know, it's still gonna happen. We still can build in joy. 
I tell you what, I tell you what, I go, God, you sent me here now because you knew it would be okay. I tell you, this is why it says rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So Lord, we thank You for your communion. We just thank You for Your broken body and shed blood. We thank You there is a dimension in the Kingdom called Jubilee. We thank You that You want to speak to an orphan world about Your love and about an inheritance. I thank You, Lord, that You said, I go and prepare a place for You. I thank You, Lord, right now for supernatural faith, supernatural believing, supernatural encounters, supernatural economy, supernatural agriculture, supernatural provision, supernatural engineering, supernatural uh, 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 health, supernatural healing. We just thank You right now. It's a parallel dimension that is superior to a fallen, broken world. Thank You for Your broken body and shed blood. Bless this to us in Your Name, Amen. There's, there's healing taking place at the moment. We had uh, on Wednesday, Angel of the Lord rocked up. In two hours, 3,000 people had washed the healing rooms. Yeah. There's, I tell you what, the, the, the times we're in are so amazing. You press in and it's there. It's there. The glory, the wisdom, the opportunity, it's there. And this is why we have to build in Christ. I know, I know three quarters of that message was spinach and Brussels sprouts. Tiny bit of cordial at the end. But I'll tell you what right now, He's got us in training for reigning. When you have a world media that can completely blanket and shut down major world events and magnify others, there's an agenda. And it would behoove us to go as deep in God and full immersion like never before. I'm on that journey. The last thing I'll say is this. I felt called to play tennis. I go to the tennis club and you, you can't do much without someone, a hitting partner. And, and I'll just be honest, I was a beginner and I was rubbish. And then you got people who are in families in the tennis club, they're hitting like this and I'd rock up like this every day of the school holidays. And the Lord said, not the Lord said for the Lord said. I didn't know the Lord back then. Sorry for the vernacular. But I said, you know what? There's a wall over there. I'm just gonna hit against that wall. I would have hit it, hit from as a beginner, a tennis ball against the wall for sometimes up to four to five hours a day. I loved it. I had a passion. Within five years, I was number one. As a, as a junior, I was number one of one of the top, uh, 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 one of the top, clubs in South Australia as a senior I had a scholarship but I got absorbed I got absorbed I got absorbed it's easier for me to grasp these things but I tell you what get absorbed in the word get absorbed in worship get absorbed in it you, you'll overcome by accident because you'll find like Elisha he says open open his eyes Lord he says because those who are with us are more than those who are against us
be absorbed. Don't be a moderate Western safe Christian. Go absolutely as deep as you can into the glory. And if you're offensive to people, but acceptable to God, so be it. If you're gonna be weird, be powerful. That's the closing words I'll say. In Jesus' Name, Amen.